Hey there, and welcome to the Catching Up with KC show, where we talk about anything and everything that has to do with building cohesive, vision-driven teams. I am Casey Watts, school impact strategist and the host of this show. Now, if you are here, then you inevitably are an instructional leader who wants to make change happen, even when change seems impossible. And you can do that if you have cohesive, vision-driven teams that have done clarity work. They know exactly where they're headed and how they're going to get there. These teams have done identity work and they've built their self and social awareness skills. And they have done collaboration work and they know how to move beyond faux collaboration to get to true collaboration where change happens and where people get on board. I'm so excited to bring to you conversations that help you to do exactly that. The work that needs to be done to build cohesive vision-driven teams. Now, with all of that said, let's dive into today's conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another conversation on the Catching Up with Casey show. I am pumped that you're here tonight, and I'm even more excited to have my guest, Naomi Hall, with us here. Hey, Naomi, how's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So, guys, you're going to notice in this episode, unlike any other episode, I have come to you in, like, my workout clothes and my hat because two reasons. I wanted to. So that's a good enough reason in and of itself, but also for the sake of authenticity and for the sake of self-care, because really this episode is all about stress and stress management and how to handle stress, but specifically in regards to teams. So in a moment, we're going to dig into this conversation where we are thinking about how to support teams that are experiencing stress. But first, Naomi, I want you to take a moment and tell our guest a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am from New Hampshire and um, I'm the owner of the Recovering Educator. So I'm a stress management and habit formation coach. And I come with 18 years of educational experience and I think I'm on your 20, I think. So um, we stopped counting after a while, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like it just all kind of blurs at at some point. Um, I've been in the classroom. I've been a department head and assistant principal and interim, you name it. Um, I'm pretty sure I wore five hats in three weeks at one point. Oh my gosh. So yeah, everyone's like, so what's your job today? (laughs) Um, I've been a curriculum coordinator. I've worked in public school, private schools. Um, I am from New Hampshire. So when I say I worked in a large district, that's large for New Hampshire. I know other states have much larger districts that just blow my mind. Uh Uh, But I've done a lot of work in education and really there have been some pretty deep lows in my path throughout education um, that really drove me to start my business because I wanted to shorten the path to hope and healing for educators. And I wanted educators to know that there is hope and you don't have to leave your job to be healthy. Yeah. I struggled to find those resources and had to dig and pay and all of this myself. And I wanted to shorten that path for others. So that's really what this business is born out of. 
Yeah, man, I love that so much. And what makes it so much more valuable is that you've lived it and you've experienced it. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people experiencing, I mean, we're, we're seeing right now more and more people experiencing that stress and leaving the profession because of the stress, because they don't know how to manage it. Yeah. So that's so sad. And I'm here for those teachers as well, because my, my caveat to, if it is time for you to leave, it's time for you to leave. And that's fine. And I completely support that, but you need support in that because if it's stress that's driving you out, you go with you wherever you go, the situational change. But if you haven't done the work to heal, you're not going to change. Wow. That is extremely powerful. Can you just, can you just say it one more time? And as you're talking, I'm just going to think about what kind of hashtag goes with that because mm-hmm. it's so powerful. Go for it. Yeah. So if you want to leave education, it's your time. That's fine. But if you're leaving because of stress, your situation will change, but you won't. And if you haven't done the work to heal, you're still going to struggle because you go with you. You are the common denominator if it's stress that's causing you to leave. Okay. So the hashtag is you go with you. And I think that's so important because so often we run from the situation, not understanding that it's really, I heard somebody recently talking about stress and talking about how, um, and it may have even been No, it wasn't your podcast. It wasn't, I don't think you were on it, but I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I bet Naomi kind of thinks about it this way. But how we react to stress is often the indicator of what what we're going to do about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much of stress is our response and not actually the situation. Because you can look at two teachers in the same district that may have a really negative culture. Like I've been in some pretty bad cultures. Um, Let's just say like tire tracks were all over my back with like knives sticking out. Um, You can look at two different people and one of them will be thriving in that situation. And one of them will just be falling apart and they're in the same situation. And a lot of it is our own perception and how we choose to perceive what's going on and how we choose what we're going to do about what's going on. Yeah. So I often say, especially when I'm visiting with instructional leaders and teams about um, handling certain situations or it's all about your perception, your, your perception is your own reality. And that's true for everyone around you. Their perception is their own reality. And we have, I think the tendency to assume that someone's perception is either the same as, or similar to what we, we have, or we assume their perception and it just may not be accurate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I had a boss, not my favorite one who would say perception is 100%. It's just not always 100% accurate. Yeah. 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 That's definitely true. Okay. So I want to kind of shift the conversation in just a little bit because we're going to be talking about how teams can experience stress. But what I want to do specifically is first is talk about how you notice most educators experiencing stress and what happens when they do start to experience stress. So individually, what do you notice about that? Yeah, you're going to start to see fatigue, the extreme fatigue you're going to see. And it varies person to person. So there's a lot of things to look for. Um, Fatigue is a big one. Illness is another one. Mm -hmm. Just kind of that ongoing, like always catching everything because your immune system is just on constant guard. Um, 
emotional dysregulation of like, you're on the roller coaster of emotions. Like yeah. you walk into work perfectly fine. And the next minute you are sobbing in the staff bathroom, like, like hiccup sobbing, like I'm, I'm yeah. sitting there, like gripping the sink, trying to pull yourself together. Uh-huh. Um, so that emotional dysregulation, just really struggling with like, you're all over the place with your emotions. It can be anger. Um, that can be another one that's really coming out. Apathy is another, just like, whatever, just blowing things off. Like I could care less, like yep. or I couldn't care less. I always mess that phrase up. Um, so apathy is there. Um, avoidance is another, um, illness fatigue. I, I wrote down several kind of, um, even for some, some just kind of like overachievers just keep digging in and doing more and more and taking on and just not stopping. Yep. Um, so those are a lot of things to look for. The emotion one is a big one. Um, the apathy, um, the fatigue when you're just like, I just can't sleep it off. Yeah. Like there's something going on. And I, so I've, I've had to do a lot of work with this for myself um, mm-hmm. because I was, you know, working full time. I went to school, worked full time, went to school and was sick all at the same time. Um, so I've had to learn to listen to the whispers of my body because if you don't listen to the whispers, your body will scream Yeah, and it's not pretty and it takes a long time to get out of that. So some stuff was going on this summer. I was like, I just don't feel right. I don't feel good. I'm really, really tired. And so I started taking stock of like, all right, what do I need to work on? What do I need to change? What do I need to do about my mindset, my health, my nutrition, my fitness, my sleep, all those pieces, because I knew if I didn't stop and address it now and another couple of months, I am going to be really, really sick. Yeah. And, and so many educators have a tendency, I think, to just push through and push through and push through. And I don't know what it is about educators, but I think in general, we are both people pleasers and perfectionists. And the two really are a bad combination. I control freak in there as well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. And that's just a, a recipe for disaster and a recipe for burnout and definitely low morale. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about how how we might see that in teams. So I just want us to shift and think about even just like a team working together and it can be a team. I'm usually accustomed to working with groups of six or seven teachers together. So team planning meetings, PLCs, just the day-to-day functioning together as a team. How do you see all of those individual stressors starting to pop up and affect team situations? Yeah, I, I see negativity as a big one. Um, just the, the, mm. <laughs> like the nitpicking at each other, the coming in, griping and complaining, maybe like n- nobody's showing up on time. There's a lot of tension in the team. Um, not like not listening to each other. It like, basically it's a dysfunctional team when the stress yeah. has taken over. Man, that is so true. So stress, I'm going to say stress can equal dysfunctional teams. For sure. Um, So when stress, or I said stress plus dysfunction, I meant to write stress (laughs) equals dysfunctional teams, but really stress plus dysfunction. If you already have a dysfunctional Mm -hmm. team, stress is only going to add to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, and I see this all the time. There's actually a book I have somewhere on my shelves and it's called Group Think. And Mm -hmm. 
it talks about these um, polarized situations where one person's perception ends up taking over the reality of everyone else. And I think that probably happens because people are experiencing stress and it's harder to approach that situation and decide how am I going to approach it, approach it appropriately mm -hmm. than to just, you know, not approach it. Like it's easier to just kind of step back. Yeah. And let your yeah. stress overtake I you. I think like I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, you know, we always have like every school, every district, every team has the negative Nancy's that are like always seeing like the glass is half empty. The sky is falling. You know, all, all intentions are bad. And you have the positive polys. They're like, no, you know what? We can work with this. All right. It happened. Whatever. We'll flex. We'll change. You're not going to change the negative Nancy's. Yep. Like to go after them is a waste of your time mm -hmm. because they're, they're not going to listen. They're not going to take, it may seem like that you're like, oh, I, I think maybe I finally reached them. And then all of a sudden you hear like, they're talking about you behind your back. Yes. You no. Know? Yes. So, like you want to focus on the positive people and supporting them so they can stay positive. Yeah. You want to put your efforts where they're going to be most effective. And it's on those positive people because they get dragged down and worn out by negative Nancy's. Mm -hmm. so you've really got to look at like, all right, who is like boosting up our team? Who is positive? Who is always like, not that they work any harder than anybody else, but they have a perception of things that is in a positive light. You yeah. want to make sure that you are helping support those people that you are working with them, not to like pick favorites or anything, but that's what's going to help your team morale and your team stress is making sure that those people can stay positive. Yeah. Yeah. And we know too that the negative Nancy's tend to have the ability to outshout everyone else or overpower everyone else with their opinions and with their negativity. Um, and I think that makes it hard for teams to want to move forward and project a different um, thought process or a different perspective. Yes, you really but, have to support those vo other voices. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. You said like when you hear, you think you're making progress with this negative Nancy mm -hmm. and then it's like, you're just deflated because mm -hmm. you realize maybe I wasn't making the progress that I wanted to. And I want to encourage leaders, if you are working with teams and you are focusing on those people, man, listen in again on what Naomi said about focusing on the people who have the ability to move their team in a different direction because you want to put your focus there. You are going to drain yourself and experience the stress that she's talked about and that is doing nothing to build your own capacity, nor your team's capacity. Yeah, you've got, you've got to put your time where it's going to be most beneficial. Like you work with the working. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's all about that 80-20 rule, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about like if we are noticing, where, like if we did see, you talked about negativity in teams, but what are some other things you think might pop up if a team is experiencing stress or what could even be some things that cause a whole team stress? Yeah. There's like a list of things that can cause, um, burnout and stress. Um, I just read, let me see if I can name it. The resilient practitioner by Thomas Scovelt and Michelle. I can't remember her name cause he's the one that I worked with. Um, and I have to say like that book, I, I, 
I endorsed the book and I was like, listen, every pre-service teacher needs to read this because it was the first book that I read that I was like, they see educators. Yeah. Like, as an educator, you read it and you see yourself there. And so some of the things that are really going to cause stress is workload. So you really want to look at the workload of your team. Like, is it evenly distributed? Is it reasonable? Are we taking on too much right now in the context of everything else that's going on within the school and district? You really okay. have to have a more global vision when it comes to workload, um, especially with teams. Um, do people feel like they have some level of control or voice over what's going on and how to do it? Um, or are you micromanaging when you're micromanaging people feel very little control and that can lead to stress and burnout. So you want to make sure that like, you know, you give enough instruction and guidelines for people to work, but then let them do their thing. Yeah. Um, you know, reward, like, are you recognizing people's hard work? And I, I, I liken this to the, the good kid in class, the good kid in class does not get recognition because they're doing what they're supposed to. And so they often start to feel like, why do I bother being good? Like the bad kids get all the attention. Like I'm doing everything right. I have good grades. I do well on my tests. I don't act out and I get zero attention. Yeah. So just being sure that you're, you're paying attention to your team and recognizing them for their efforts, uh, for their, for their attitude, you know, like that's a big piece of like, Hey, thanks for always bring in the positivity to every meeting. Yes. You know, just genuine, authentic recognition. Like people don't want like, okay, we got another jeans day. Oh, we got, you know, yeah. we got breakfast. Like they want the genuine recognition. So if they're yeah. not getting that, that adds to it. Um, the sense of community. So really your team culture and building that and setting your team norms. I'm sure you work through norms with teams when you're working with them. Yeah. Like this is our collective way of being and so really working on that and of like having a sense of belonging for people whether they're a positive poly or a negative nancy yeah we both belong on the team yeah. because they bring different things to the team and so creating that community and that sense of belonging um fairness like if there's really unfair or perceived unfair practices that makes it really hard for people to keep showing up. And it, yeah. that's a, that's a big stressor. And like, we hear it all the time in the complaints of like, like the, these aren't fair requirements or expectations. And that, that's a big piece for teachers of like, it yep. seems unfair what's being required. And then just alignment with values and the person. Like sometimes people just get thrown on a committee or team and it doesn't align with who they are, what they do and their skills. Um, I was talking with someone else last week. I was like, in elementary, this happens often. And I didn't understand the, the depth of it until I really talked it through with a friend who has always been in elementary because I was more high school. I, I've done pre-K to adults yeah. in my teaching career. You've done the whole gamut of things. Yeah, but I've stayed <laughs> mostly high school. And in elementary, you tend to get high school administrators who think teaching first grade and third grade, no big deal. Why don't I move you to third grade? Cause that's where we need a teacher. Yes. When, if you're an elementary person, you're going, I, but, but first graders, like yeah. K to two is my thing. Third grade. Yeah. Like, that's a big jump. It is. It, and so when you take and do that to someone, they've lost a sense of control. The job no longer aligns with them. Yeah. And they don't feel like they're recognized for the good work that they were doing in 
the place that they were. So those things just compound and create a lot of stress and dissonance when that kind of thing is going on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I felt like everything that you've said is taking so many of the pieces of my content and just like pulling it in together. It was just gold. So great. (laughs) Naomi, I am just loving this conversation. I'm just kind of like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep going. Well, what else? Tell me more. Um, But truly there are a couple of things I want to point out today. I was reading, um, rereading actually in my, the Enneagram book, um, Mm -hmm. the road back to you, I think is the one I was reading. And I was reading specifically about eights and how, when they lack control is when they are most unhealthy. And that's Mm -hmm. when they resort to their stress, their uh, stress number that, they show stress. And so um, that was one thing that definitely resonated with me is when people lack a sense of control, it is going to cause stress in them and some people more than others. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing that you were talking about is something that I hold so strongly to is this sense of belonging. People mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. feel as though they belong to something that is bigger than themselves and that they are an essential piece of that something that's bigger than themselves. Um, and I think when we get teams together, teams of people together, so often the work that's missing is the beginning work of building your team and launching your team in a way that they understand how each of them functions together. And so spending time allowing your team members to intentionally understand how they each function what it is they contribute to a team, in what ways they can bring their working genius, and in what ways they experience and deal with stress is so important because when they come to the team experiencing stress, I think it is truly contagious. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to tell a little bit about your thoughts on how stress can be contagious among team members. Do you believe that that's true? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's most, I I mentioned it earlier. I think it mostly comes through that root of negativity Mm -hmm. because when you're stressed, it becomes very, very hard to see the positive, to see the good, to assume good intentions from anybody. Um, Everybody just kind of ends up in the same category. Um, And so when you have one person who is down and negative and making little sniping comments and whatnot, it starts to drag the other ones down because either they just get irritated by it or um, just upset that nobody's doing anything about it. And yeah. so then they get pulled into it as well and they're experiencing the stress. So yeah, it definitely like goes around. And um, I've been in some pretty negative cultures myself and I had to be really careful about who I chose to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of my things is like, one of my key things for stress management is you've got to ditch the negativity. One, that's the negativity in your own head. And two, that's the people. Yeah. Two, that's the people. Three, that's your social media and other input. The people that you surround yourself with, and that may come down to choosing a different seat in meetings. Yeah. Um, That may come down to eating lunch in your room by yourself or eating your lunch in there and inviting someone in that, you know, you can, count on as a positive influence. Yeah. Um, You really have to watch your surroundings Mm -hmm. when it comes to that because negativity is so contagious and the teacher's room, teacher's lounge is the worst 
yep. place. Like I did not eat lunch with teachers. Yeah. Because I couldn't be in that conversation. I couldn't be in that place and still be healthy myself. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of wonder, like, and really, I think about this two ways. I think about someone being a part of a team that's experiencing stress. And then I think about the leader who's trying to manage all of these different teams, right? Or facilitate each of these different teams. But from a person who's part of a team that is experiencing stress and there is negativity that's just boiling up and infecting everyone, do you have suggestions for some things they can put in their mind to, to equip themselves and be ready to say or respond with when a team member is kind of pushing into the negativity? Like, is there something they can just prepare themselves with? So I actually, um, I will give this to you. This is not my resource, but I have been given permission to share it far and wide. It is 50 scripts for, I want to call it challenging conversations. So let me, let me pause you. Cause I really thought you were going to say 50 shades of gray, um, <laughs> but you didn't say that. So, I mean, I wouldn't have minded if you'd said it, but we're going in a different direction. Okay, great. So yeah, what do you do again? So it's 50 scripts for basically having challenging conversations. Okay. I love it. And that is an amazing, amazing tool. I'll give you the link to it. It's from Perfect. Tammy Dunnett. Um, I interviewed her for a summit that I'm doing. She's a, um, communication coach. Okay. And so it's these scripts that you can go through and be like, so when you said this, or when you rolled your eyes, were you upset with me or were you upset with the situation? Help me understand. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Like that's the key one. That's her like bonus one. Number 51. It's in every section of her, her thing, because it just, it kind of diffuses a situation a little bit and it, it take it doesn't accuse the other person. It's just help me understand, like, help yeah. me out. I'm not sure what you meant. And so it's a lot of scripts like that, that you can literally write them down, practice them. And she even recommends going to person like, Hey, so, um, I'm going to read that. Do you mind if I read this? Cause I, I just want to make sure that I say it right. Can I, can I read this to you? And again, they're going to be like, uh, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. whatever, yeah. You know? And so it's 50 of those that you can take into one-on-one -on -one interactions you can take into meetings when, you know, someone's rolling their eyes, huffing, you know, you're like, you know, you look really upset right now. Are you upset with the team? Are you upset with the direction that we're heading? Just help us understand. Yeah. And those can be great within your team to really build that cohesiveness because you're calling out the person who's being negative, but you're doing it in a way that supports them, supports you and supports your team. Yeah. Man, so that's fantastic, not just for the team member, that th that's fantastic for facilitators. So, and if you have set norms, it makes it a little easier to use some of those statements because really we're holding all our whole team accountable for the norms. I love that so much. And I think it's it's awkward for people to think about be preparing yourself for that or like, I love writing it, like writing it out and saying, I just, I want to read this because if you are like me, sometimes I will think in my head, I'm going to say this and this is how it's going to go down. And inevitably it never goes that way. Right. Like yeah. it just doesn't. Um, but you said you were talking about just asking permission and there is, and a lot of this goes back to perception too, but 
There's a book by Susan Scott uh, called Fierce Conversations, and it's a fantastic read. But one of the things that she talks about is perception checking. And you're asking other people, can I get your permission to check my perception on this? Or, hey, I just want to run this by you. This is what this is what I'm thinking. And I'm not sure that my narrative is accurate. Can you check my perception? So it kind of detaches you from your emotions and your um, inner thoughts that are that are sometimes not accurate. And yes. you're just putting it out there as like this neutral, hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking. I'm giving you an option to negate that and share a different perspective. Yeah. And on the flip side of that is someone on the team having the courage to maybe not in the meeting, it, whether it's the facilitator, it's your principal, whoever. <clears throat> just going to them and saying, hey, so you said this, and this is how people are perceiving it. Is that what you meant? Yes. And a lot of times you'll find out that's not what they meant, and they didn't realize that's how it came across. Yeah. And that just, that open dialogue, you'll find most administrators have open doors, and they want you to ask them those questions because they, without you saying something, they don't know your perception. Yeah. And um, like, I unless I like needed to focus my door to my office was open and I literally, we had a really rough year. I was like, okay, this is my crying chair. So <laughs> you can come in, I have a box of tissues, you know? Yeah. Um, but just have the courage to have those conversations with your leaders because they do want you to have those conversations. Yeah. They, they want you to approach them so that they know, Oh man, like I did not mean that at all. Let me fix that. Let me, mm-hmm. let me reiterate. Let me clarify. Right. Because they want to be clear, but you don't always know, like the words come out of your mouth and like half the time you're like, do you know, you said such and such. And I'm like, I said, what? Yeah. Did I say that? Didn't yeah. it? I'm like, I said, I said, tennis racket, not baseball bat. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, same difference to me. Right. right? Like not what I meant. Yeah. That's so funny. So I, uh, was kind of thinking about what you were talking about earlier that and building that sense of belonging. And when we go about conversations in the way that you're describing, we are increasing the ability for people to feel as though they belong. Yeah. And uh, guys, we have just talked about a couple of different things that we're going to, I'm going to drop in the show notes. So Naomi talked about the 50 scripts, right? I'm going to drop that in the show notes with the link. And then I'm also going to drop the book that I mentioned, Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. But I do have a perception checking guide that I will put Mm -hmm. in the notes as well. And it gives you just different ways that you can check your perception. So that is something that we're definitely going to have for you. Um, Okay, we're coming to the end of our time together. But Naomi, is there anything else that we can add to this conversation to help either instructional leaders support teams who are experiencing stress or to help people who are part of a team manage that? I would say everyone needs to focus on their foundation of stress management. And like, anytime I get to talk about this, I'm like, I don't teach anything earth shattering, like nothing earth shattering. The things that I teach build you the foundation and the habits that you need in order to manage your stress well. And you'll find that people who don't manage their stress well do not have these things locked in. So it's movement. You need to get 30 minutes of movement a day. You need to move throughout your day. Chasing children around a classroom does not count as your 30 minutes of movement. Amen, sister. You need to be fueling your body. Caffeine and carbs 
don't count. Like you got to be getting a good fueling breakfast. I know some of you are not hungry for breakfast and that's because you ate so late at night and binged. <laughs> you need to eat breakfast. You need to get a solid protein in there and some fiber filled carbs first thing <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> I'm just like, let me just get out of screen. <laughs> I'm like calling people out here. You've got to get sleep. Like mm -hmm. I probably should make sleep number one because if you're not managing your sleep, like none of the others matter. Like you have to get sleep. And when you're saying I have too much to do to get sleep, you're not doing those things effectively. If you get the sleep, you'll be able to do them more effectively. You'll be able to be more productive and you'll be able to have better focus. Yep. You need to drink water. Prehydrate. I know bathroom is hard when you're teaching, but you'll figure it out and your body does adjust. You've got to drink water. Uh, headaches, brain fog. Um, a lot of that comes from not drinking enough water and being dehydrated. You're like, yeah, I get by on one cup of water a day. I'm like, you're perpetually dehydrated. Right. Like, hmm. No. Um, and then you got to work on your mindset, really. The, the mental game is huge. The negativity in your own mind, um, the negativity that you're allowing into your mind through what you see, read, listen to, watch, and the people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. If you get those things solid, and know a lot of people like, if one more person tells me to like eat fruit and drink water, I'm going to smack them. I'm like, yeah, it's not doing it. <laughs> it's true. You know, and doing it once yeah. isn't going to do it. You've got to make a habit out of it. So that's why I'm a stress management and have a formation coach because we've got to start small and we've got to make these into habits. Yeah. I love that so much. And if you are a leader, if you are an instructional leader, it is so important for you to do all of those things because you are modeling for these teams of people. And so it's imperative that you understand how to manage your stress. One of the things I put in the comment is you are the only person you can control. And that is fact. And you have to get to a point where you are super self-aware so that you can be socially aware and be able to engage with people in the best way possible that builds their capacity and yours as well. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to leave us with here today, Naomi, a last final word? I just want to reiterate what you said about like the facilitators, the leaders, the administrators, it has to start with you and you have to encourage your staff to be doing these things and I highly, there's two things I really highly encourage from leaders and, and administrators, facilitators, all of you, is that one, you take care of yourself and you have healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. You encourage that in your staff. That includes encouraging a 24-hour rule on emails and messages of, I will respond to you within 24 hours and I expect the same out of my staff. Unless I say otherwise, you have 24 hours to respond to me. So I encourage that as a district institutional rule. And then at the end of the day, and especially on Fridays, you walk those halls right after dismissal and be like, really on Fridays, right after dismissal on Fridays, you might wait a little bit longer on the other days. You walk the halls and you poke your head and you say, Hey, hope you're out of here soon. Have a great weekend. Hope you're not here when I come back. I love it. That's awesome. Okay. Naomi, this has been so like, I just love this conversation so much. I think, I think this is one of those conversations where I'm going to leave feeling like well-rested or, or my mindset will have changed, you know, like 
because we're taking time to talk to other people about it. And I'm like, yeah, I need to do all of those things. And I'm just ready to start the week fresh with teams. So I appreciate that so much. And I know that our audience will appreciate that. Tell everyone where they can find you after this. Yeah. So I am on both Instagram and Facebook as the recovering educator. So if you just look for the recovering educator, you will see me pretty much like this <laughs> um, cause I show up as I am. So usually when I'm on my stories, it's right after I've worked out. So I'm like sweaty and my hair is a mess and That's like, awesome. this is life. This is, yep. this is it folks. Yep. Um, so you can find me on social and then my website is www.therecoveringeducator.com. Um, and you can find my resources there. Okay. So I'm going to put that in the comments. And then, uh, guys, remember, check the show notes because you're going to see all of Naomi's information there so you can find her. And I highly encourage you to reach out to Naomi or at least follow her on social media. You guys know where to find me because you're right here in this live and next week, I want you to come back because I have another guest. And I hope if you are on YouTube, definitely subscribe because I've got a lot coming. You're not going to want to miss out. Okay, Naomi, thank you for joining me today. It's thank been a blast. All right. Bye, guys. Hey, guys, I want to give a huge shout out to you for tuning into today's Change Catalyst conversation. I would love for you to do me two solid favors. Number one, if you have enjoyed this or any other Change Catalyst conversation, do me a favor and hit subscribe. I've got a lot of great content and guests coming up and I don't want you to miss any of it. Number two, if you are thinking of a friend or colleague who could benefit from this show, share it with them. The only way to make change happen is through a multiplier effect. And you can be a multiplier by sharing this show. Until next time, I want you to go off and do the great things that Change Catalysts do.